Welcome to the Dallas Soccer Show. I'm Dustin Nation. In this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about FC Dallas's win over a feckless FC Cincinnati, the other things Cobra brings to the table besides scoring goals, why Ryan Hollingshead is scoring goals, and Jesus Ferrer's role as a 10. Plus, at the end, we'll take a look at the playoff picture for the home stretch of the season. Joining me from the Frisco Walmart's athletic apparel department where he's debating on which OU t-shirt to buy is Armand Kafai. How's it going, Armand? Hey, 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 hey. Chill with the uh, OU love. Uh, don't make it seem like I love that place. I do not like that place in any way, shape, or form. But I'm great. Uh, just came actually back from Norman, so it's, I guess like, maybe I do love the place a little bit. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But uh, yeah, it's been a great Labor Day weekend. Uh, I think everyone's had a great... You know, time to relax and, you know, get this weekend off from FC Dallas. Then we're back into the thick of things. You betcha. The final stretch. But on Saturday, FC Dallas played FC Cincinnati for the first time in the history of the two clubs. And it pretty much went the way you'd expect it to go. FC Cincinnati last in the MLS, negative 37 goal differential going into this game. They leave with a negative 39 goal differential. After FC Dallas beats them three to one with from goals from Ryan Hollingshead, Michael Barrios, and Cobra, the only goal that FC Cincinnati scored was a penalty off of a, a trip that from Reggie Cannon in the box. Not a, an intentional thing, but something that happened nonetheless. Uh, over to you, Armand. What did you make of that FC Cincinnati game? Well, for one, FC Cincinnati is terrible. I think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, they, they're not good. They're really not that good. Um, you know, it's 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 even more staggering when you see them play in person, however really bad they are. Uh, and you have to understand, they're going through a transition period with uh, Ron Johns, uh, their coach. I made the mistake of calling him Ron Johns on an FC Cincinnati pregame show. <laughs> and got Did they ask him where his surf shop was? <sighs> yeah. <laughs> but it was um, no, they're just not good. And for Dallas, it's again a result that look you need, and it's a result of taking care of business. You we're gonna look back, you know, at one of those let's say Dallas misses the playoffs at one of those Vancouver matches, as you know, a game where they didn't take care of business. Vancouver's not that good. Dallas dropped the home the away game two one, and then they came home and blew a two zero lead late. And like we talked about, it was most devastating. I think we've seen Lucci. You have to take care of business. You got to take the points um, you know, that, that are available. And Dallas did that. Was it pretty at times? No. Was it times look like Cincinnati would score early? Yes. But overall, Dallas woke up and you know took care of business. And now you take this two game win streak. You take the second half of the Montreal match, and you go into this bye week. You rest up your vets. The other guys get playing time with the national team, and you come back and. You come back fresh, ready, and on a high note going into the uh, match against Chicago on September 14th. Yeah, uh, it's another match that on paper looks pretty favorable to us. I think that, uh, you know, you, you got to win the ones that are in front of you. You got to play the matches that are in front of you. And you at this point, I mean, in MLS, you got to win the games you're expected to win. Uh, you just points are too precious. There's points. I mean, we'll talk about this here in a bit, but there's what five points separating third and eight six points separating second and, and eighth in the west 
you have to pick up the points that you are expected to pick up and you have to pick up at this point more than you're, than you're supposed to. So no, exactly. I agree. And I mean, especially with crazy results, right? LAFC losing to Minnesota 2-0 at home. That's a really, that's a result where I was, I had that marked down as an LAFC win, especially the way Minnesota has been playing. They come out, score two with Mason toy and they win. Also, that's a win that surprises you. They bolster up in the standings. So you have to take care of business. And it's one of those games where it wasn't pretty, but they, they took care of business, right? They came through. Uh, they scored They scored the necessary goals. They jumped out to a 3-0 lead. And then for the rest of, you know, for the, rest of the game, they kind of just went the course and you know, just saw the result. And I think it was a nice, good victory in the end. Yeah, it wasn't without its its pucker moments though. There was some moments early on in the beginning of the game where we where FC Dallas gave FC Cincinnati quite a bit of space at the top of the box and were almost punished by it. I think FC Cincinnati hit the post um, early on, and then they hit the post early uh, later on in the game as well. So, not maybe some unlucky play from them, but I mean, in the end, FC Dallas got the job done. So, speaking of doing things that are expected. And now we expect Cobra to score goals. That's uh, three game, three goal, four goals in three games. So Armand, we were kind of noticing um, that Cobra he, he is scoring goals, but there's there's more to his game, and I think that's the reason why he's actually making it onto the field, uh, and why Lucci's actually starting to to show favor in him. You know, we talk about him putting himself in dangerous position, and we talked about, um, you know, his just being being where he's occupying center backs and 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 creating space for other people to be to to uh, do dangerous things. But I think it's interesting the other things that are starting to show in his game. For instance, early on and several times where he was leading the press. Like on on defense, something that when uh, Don Baji is in, that that generally they'll have Paxton Pomacall do, and this time it was it was Cobra, and also he's got some hold up play in his in his back pocket. We saw him get the ball. He got an assist with Bar- Barrios. Sorry, with Ryan Hollingshead on Ryan's uh, opener goal. So I want to talk a little bit about Cobra's hold up play. It's interesting right because it's small and limited but it's still some nice hold up plan we saw it in burst and uh i guess the fc dallas video guy mr cranks uh shout out mr cranks he makes these uh touch compilations and you see a lot of them cobra will head the ball you know fight knock it down to a guy and help start a break or if he gets the ball in a situation he'll hold up the play i mean as we talked about hold up play Find someone else to lead the break. Overall, like it's it's something to me that you know I've noticed that hey look, it's a part it's a part of his game. It's a part of his game where he can find where he can find you know the open guy and you know he's not gonna be the guy that's gonna drop deep in the midfield to like you know find someone like 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 maybe I guess like a Jesus Ferreira. If Jesus Ferreira was there, he's gonna be high up the pitch. And you want him in a position where all he has to do is tap in the shot, right? You want him yep. in a position where he poaches. I think that's the right word, poaches. Yep. And look, I think we realize all, not not all he does is just poaching. He can also, you know, 
be, you know, the, the highest guy up there, knock it down, and go up the pitch. These are important things. And Don Baji tried doing it, but it wasn't that well, right? Like, from Don Baji, this is, you know, maybe a toast to his Colorado days. But, you know, when he was with Colorado, he'd be one of those guys where they'd knock it and he'd beat the guys on the counter, um, and he would just run up and down the pitch. Cobra isn't that guy. He's not going to beat you at pace or anything like that. But what is he going to do? He's going to knock it down and then, you know, slowly get into position, find a way, and then boom. Uh, if he gets the ball the opportunity, he's going to score. He's got me in the right position. So, I mean, I've started to notice that a little bit. Uh, I think uh, maybe I was reading a little bit of some analysis. It looked like maybe some disagreement on what uh, we, we, we see. But, I mean, looking at uh, his passing chart, uh, which I will stand by is one of the most overrated ways to look at stats ever. I don't like passing charts, Dustin. I don't know about you, but I used to use passing charts a lot when I was uh, yeah. first starting. And then um, I realized I kind of didn't paint the exact picture of a game. So I use it as a compliment now. I mean, yeah, side note. Part of the story. Yeah, part of the story. Side note. But uh, always a, a, little, a little fun, something they ran about. Uh, but no, it's. I think it's something that's really interesting that, you know, he's adding a dynamic of a holdup play. I don't think Dallas really had that. Coleman does provide that, but obviously Coleman isn't that good right now. He's recovering from injury. So all in all, he's providing the things that Coleman, I guess we want to see from Coleman, but I guess never could. Yeah. There's, there's something I was thinking about um, yesterday, actually, where it's like the things that people are saying about Zdenek Andrezic, are the things we said about Cobra, or sorry, with about Coman, except for the fact that Andresic is scoring goals at a very high rate, something like a goal every 58 minutes at this point. Um, I think the stat courtesy of OptiJack, but you know, it, it it's, it's like they're the same player except for one can score goals and one will, one will uh, fight you on the field. So, um, regarding that, we, I kind of asked him a little bit about that in in, in the locker room after the game. And, uh, I'll just read the quote to you here. I said, for me, it's not important if I get assists or goals, I want to win games and I'm so happy the guys pass me the ball and I try to pass too. I don't think I had many assists in my career, but okay. I'm happy to pass the ball for the guys because I know they'll pass it back to me. It doesn't matter who scores, who needs the point, or we need the points. And we got them. We have to prepare for the rest of the season. So, yeah, it uh, sounds like he's not, you know, focusing on that. But it's uh, it's definitely something he's got in his 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 pocket. Something that I think is helping him gain the trust of Lucci. And besides the scoring goals, you know, it's like you everyone's fighting for each other in the right ways and not, you know, just, um, yeah. There's something that I've been pondering a lot, mentioning to other journalists and kind of starting a dialogue about, and I think I want to start a dialogue on the show about it. So, all right, let's do it. Okay. Crack open that dialogue. Do we think, you know, as maybe you guys, FC Dallas fans, as me as the media, that Lucci potentially gave up on Cobra a little too early. In terms of, you know, uh, let's, you know, of, you know, not uh, wanting to put him on, you know, it looked like, and there's on record of me saying that FDL should sell Cobra. Why? Because he's not making the 18, he's playing for North Texas SC. There, the, if you're not making the 18 consistently, there's obviously something wrong, right? 
It's almost like he made the 18 at the end of a lack of like of a desperation rather than a, oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, uh, Luch says he deserved it and he does, but also some of it was desperation, I think, to find an answer. Mm-hmm. Do we think, because if you look at the stats, Cobra didn't play much. He did not play much in any way, shape, or form. Uh, he had that 60-minute spurt against LEFC where, okay, it was against LEFC. They were kind of more defensive. They are on the road. The very interesting environment test to start out. Uh, personally, um, again, the hindsight is twenty twenty, right? But I think it's a question I think we can all ponder about a, a, a little bit. Did, did was it was it the fact? Uh, I'm going to ask you, I guess, Dustin. That maybe Lucci wanted to play his guys, and maybe Cobra wasn't maybe his guy at the time, uh, or uh, maybe a guy he didn't bring in, or maybe he he, he kind of judged him off a couple of appearances, like okay, hey, I don't want to you know play with them anymore. Um, but I'm I'm curious to say like to think, did they just I guess look you know? move on from Cobra almost too quickly. Cause that's what it kind of felt like a little bit, to be honest with you. And I know fans, the fans have been clamoring for Cobra like crazy. Yeah. You know, the fans love Cobra. And I'm interested to hear, hear your thoughts on that. Uh, Cause I'm not sure I'm a little torn because I, I see that perspective that maybe he, he did uh, maybe give up. I'm using quotations, give up uh, too easily on, on Cobra. But at the same time from his appearances, he wasn't amazing. Right, he looked non-mobile and uh, not that great. But I mean, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it. No, I, I think I think I'd phrase it like this: just give from everything I've heard from Luchi Gonzalez and from even Cobra himself. I I think that it wasn't a case of giving up. I think it was a case of waiting to see what he needed to see from him, and. We saw this a lot with Oscar Pereja, where when things would go tough, he would he would fall back to to players that he was comfortable with. And who is Luchi Gonzalez comfortable with? It's his academy players. He's comfortable with Jesus Ferreira. He's a known quantity. He he knew him from his academy days. When uh, who else is he comfortable with? You know, the Surio, Cervania, right? And so we're seeing a lot of those guys. Uh, Baji. You know, he, he's been around. We've seen him play for half a season. He's more of a known quantity. It, and he does a lot of, on paper. He does a lot more of the things that you would describe as being Luchi ball, right? He, he gets in on the, he comes back. He helps out with the buildups. He, it plays wherever you want, you want to put him. right? He'll play on the left wing. He'll play on the right wing. And those are all things that I think that that Lucci values and he he's comfortable with. But at the end of the day, he's not he wasn't the answer to what the team's problems were. And I think that when Cobra started showing in practice, maybe I don't know, or maybe in whenever he came in Montreal from that desperation move, he started showing glimpses of of, of really what Lucci needed from him. And then it was time, right? So I think it's more of a time. The thing is that he was just waiting. And sure, you get to the end of the season, and he hasn't made the the starting lineup, or he hasn't, you know, barely making the 18th. Yeah, sell him. But I don't think that it was a case of giving up. I think it was a case of waiting and seeing if the if this guy is serviceable, if he if he can do the things that he's asking him to do. 
And I think the answer now is yeah. No, that's your question. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm still, I'm still thinking about it hard. Uh, my, my, my final thought on that is, uh, a hundred percent see what you're saying, but I think we could have seen this glimpses a little earlier too, potentially in terms of, uh, like, you know, in, in some other matches as well. I think that's my only thing. Yeah, no, that's, that's, I can see that as well. I think that's totally fair. So speaking of somebody who is an, a known quantity to FC Dallas fans, and that would be Ryan Hollingshead. That guy has six goals for this season. That's the most he's ever had in a season. And he's playing left back. What is it about Ryan Hollingshead's role this season that's allowing him to to create and make those goals and, and, and get on the score sheet as often as he had? Um, Armand, what do you think is the difference here? I've asked Lucci about it. I asked him when I post-game presser. Because it's something you notice all the time. He has so much freedom in the attacking third. A ridiculous amount of uh, freedom, to be honest with you. What does he do? He cuts in the middle, and he's inverted. That's one thing Lucci mentioned. I, I think part of his thing is Lucci wants to use experience. He has a left wing and utilize it by his left back. So what does he do? Uh, he adds him in the mid. He, he comes into midfield. He can cut inside. He can go on the outside. He almost gives Tollins at free roam in the attacking third, which, I mean, I personally have to go analyze more film and go look back on it, but I find it very intriguing because I don't think Cannon does that as much. No, because Cannon is right-footed, so he mm-hmm. sticks to the sidelines. Meanwhile, Hollingshead is right-footed as a left-back, so he cuts in, cuts in, cuts in. If Lucci is genuinely serious when he says, yes, we give him freedom and allow him to express himself like that, that is one of those genius things I've ever heard. Seriously, to allow a left back to have freedom to create overloads and in the midfield and allowing him to use his dynamic attack, we've seen him in the middle so much, mm-hmm. a lot. It's a, it's almost a joke I make every game when we're in the press box. Oh, Ryan Hollings at the midfielder, <laughs> but it's a thing now. It's a we genuine saw him thing. In the midfield so much that Jesus Ferrer- Ferrero is playing left back at one exactly. point. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Ryan Hollings did. I said it's an Uncle Sam soccer podcast. I'll say it now. He deserves a national team call-up. I don't care how old he is. If you're still going to call up some of the old guard, might as well call him up Hollings as well. He's been fantastic. He's a very underrated player. Let's just leave it like that. He's a very underrated player. Very attack-minded left back. And he's finally having a strong year. And uh, Harrison Crows is in this podcast. Uh, we always know he loves him. Ryan Hollings did. And it's great to see a guy like him get an opportunity like this. So John Nelson took over, but uh, Hollingshead said, no, nah, it's my spot. Uh, it's mine. I'm taking it back. Yeah. And I love to see it. He's actually been really good. As an American player, he's actually been really good. I don't know what exactly it is, but that freedom in the final 30s talked about it. I asked him, you know, what's so different about this coaching staff? Like, why do you feel so good, <laughs> essentially? <laughs> and he's like, they allow us to make mistakes. They allow us to go out and, you know, screw up a few times. Hollingshead has screwed up, but his creativity has gone up as well. Six goals? From a left back. From a left back. Let's write that down. And they're not like, oh, you know, like, you know, there's some set piece goals, right? Like the one against Montreal. But that one against the Stanley was an absolute banger. Just tap it off and hit it. And that's what 
And and if, like I said, if Lucci's utilizing him like we we think he is, that's genius. You're utilizing his offensive ability to help the team. That's that's thing that's fantastic. I think that's that shows the versatility of Hollingshead. He will be a career MLS player. We know this. But Matt, if he can provide this at his age, seriously, like seriously, the U.S. left back pool is not that strong. He definitely deserves a look. Definitely. Not even a question. He's easily one of the most dynamic left backs. I mean, that's not saying much for the U.S. pool, but still, he easily is one of the most dynamic players in the U.S. pool. I think he deserves some sort of a call-up at some point. Do you think he hasn't gotten a call-up just mainly because of his age at this point? Age, and he's, not, and he's not a sexy reputation. player. Yeah, his reputation is one of a utility player, somebody who can just play everywhere but not be good at anything. But he's showing this a whole other side of this season. He's just not a sexy player. Like, I don't know how to describe it, you know? Like, Sergio Des, like, sexy, you know? Like, young, plays for Ajax. I mean, obviously, he's better, right? But, like, for example, like, a, like a Daniel Lovitz. You, you're telling me Ryan Hollingsett isn't better than Daniel Lovitz? I don't agree with that, Greg. <laughs> Another player who is having a career year is Jesus Ferreira. And this season, Luchi Gonzalez right now has him playing as a true 10. Um, and he, he seems to be thriving in that position. He's He assisted Barrios beautifully in that goal against FCS Cincinnati. Do you think that this is something that we will see something more of going forward? Like, is this, is this Jesus Ferreira's future as a number 10? Uh... I'm not sure. I'd rather see him as a nine. Still, I think his movement off the ball, being dynamic as a nine, is fantastic. Um, I, as a ten, though, he's been really good, right? Like he's he's found those pockets, but he's still adapting. And I, again, I feel like this move was made out of necessity. I can also see him play as an off-ball forward, not the focal point, but as an off-ball forward. You know, to help Kelk and Akak play. Kind of like a tweener between you know, an attacking mid, obviously, and a forward. So combine the best of both worlds. And but what this experience is gonna be valuable for him, right? Because to be that tweener, to connect, having that experience of playing the midfield is gonna be crucial. That you know you can go, okay, I can have a good ball here, boom, I can play this ball, have this partnership with this guy, boom, maybe like a four four two or something like that. Mm-hmm. I, you know, and he can be he can drop down. I I don't see his future as a ten, and he's slowly adapting to that role and I mean, I asked Lucci, I, I think I, the way I was, phrased that question was, I know I sound like a broken record, uh, talking about, you know, his, his adaptation to that role and him playing well. But that pass to Barros was killer. It was very good. It was killer. So it's positive and we, and we like it. And that's probably something you'll see going to the playoffs or something like that. But I, I, I don't think it's going to be a position going forward. I don't know about you, but. Yeah, I, I think you're I think you're spot on. With that, that's not maybe not the primary striker, but like a, an off-ball striker. Um, are we allowed to say striker? Didn't somebody get fired in England for saying striker? Uh, I don't know, um, but we are. Forward. We are. Uh, we're in America. We're in America, so we can say uh, you know things that are unorthodox, like talk about Alrighty. soccer. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, uh, the way I liken Jesus Ferreira's role this season, it, it's it was an experiment. I think I think it was. Much in the same vein that moving Maxi Rudy back to the 10 was. 
whenever Rudy was here and we were needing answers, we had Baji. Rudy wasn't providing those answers, so but he's his work rate, you just can't keep him off the team sheet. I think Ferrer, uh, Ferrer is very similar, not not the style of play, but like in that it's really hard to justify not keep not having him on the field. And so you got to find a spot for him. And this, this year's experience experiment worked out a lot better than last year's Maxi Rudy at the 10 experiment, in my opinion. Definitely, definitely did. Uh, don't try to utilize, you know, Rudy's, you know, dropping back defensively and all that good stuff. But yeah, definitely 100%. I think it's worked out significantly better. Cause I mean, Jesus has played a 10 before, right? And he does have that vision. Uh, and Luigi Gonzalez talked about him having that 360-degree uh, vision. I think that's the right word, vision, where he's able to pass the ball and look around to his left, look around to his right, have a peripheral vision of everyone, and then go play the balls. And we saw that. And I like what we've seen, but I just don't see it as his future position. I, I've been asked this a lot. I, I don't see it as his future role. I see it as an addition to his skill set to make it more versatile for his future role. Yeah, it gives you another look at at the field and what other players might what expect you to do if they're trying to give you service. Yes, yes. And it kind of you know internal helps you internalize the 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 play and where the different chess pieces go on the field. So, all right, well, let's spin off from talking about the current and let's take a look at the future. We're gonna take a look at the playoff picture right now. FC Dallas sits sixth as of this moment with 43 points in 29 matches. And like we said earlier in the podcast, the second spot through the eighth spot are separated by a total of six points. Let's, let's take a look at some of the players, some of the teams around FC Dallas. What teams do you think might slip and allow FC Dallas to get into the playoffs? Cause at this point we don't truly hold our own, destiny in our own hands because of the games in hand we the other teams have on us Dustin well I'm looking at you know a team that could drop and one that really catches my eye is uh, San Jose Uh, they have to go on the road to play Real Salt Lake NYCFC Atlanta play Philadelphia at home and we still have a huge win over Atlanta play Seattle at home and then play Portland all those teams are in playoff contention right there um, these are all, you know, tough teams, tough matches, weekend and week out. I could see this, I could see San Jose really floundering. I could also potentially the Galaxy. I mean, look, they're a great team, but they just struggle to close out matches. And they have Colorado, SKC, Montreal. I mean, those three should be wins, right? They're like hypothetically, but overall, I'm not sure. Uh, especially with how the Galaxy have done. I mean, their schedule is the e- one of the easier ones out of the rest of the teams in the West, but. It's just a galaxy. You don't know. You really don't know. But I'm really intrigued also by Portland. A team that now has, what, one, two, three, four, five, six home games? Woof! Six out of the last seven games are all home games. You know, playing SKC twice, DC Red Bull, Minnesota Revolution, San Jose. I want to see what I do because they haven't been as good um, in the Western Conference at home. They haven't been as good. And they got that key win over RSL. Last uh, last weekend, so overall, I'm looking at that. If San Jose flounders, I mean, I can't say I told you so because I, I guess I did tell you so. But <laughs> all right, well let's let's pull back and take a look at what FC Dallas has left. Uh, in fact, let's play a little game. 
There are five matches left. Let's play some win, lose, or draw here. I'm going to go through the five remaining teams that we're about to play. And I want you to say whether or not we'll do a little prediction. We'll say whether we want, whether we think that we'll beat them, lose to them or draw with them. And then we'll see based on there, what the points per game will be and see how that looks at the end. So uh, for first up is Chicago win, lose or draw Armand draw. I think it's a road game. I think they'll get a draw on that one. What about you? I think, I think we carry the momentum. I think we've we are able to to get a win in Chicago. What about Seattle? Loss. Uh, I would concur. We can, it, yeah. I don't I don't see that going well for FC Dallas. I, it, I mean, think about it, right? The teams that we've been playing well against: Houston, second half of Montreal, Cincinnati. All bad teams. It's it's great. It's great that we're playing well against them. But they're all you, yeah, they're all, all bad, bad teams. teams. This is our first going to be our, the first true test of this newly re, revitalized FC Dallas offense. It's the it's the post Cobra, or the I guess no, uh, was it? It's like BC and like AD. Uh, so just BK before Cobra or you know, BC before Cobra, and then I guess DC during Cobra. This is the DC era. Of, <laughs> I don't know where I'm going. It's that just one. the C era, the, C, the, the Cobra, Cobra era. Yeah. Cool. All right. So speaking of C, we're going to NYC FC after that, or actually we play them here um, at home. So win, lose, or draw, Armand. This one's tough for me. I'm not sure because NYC FC is good, and they're actually going to play on a soccer pitch, which is better. Um, I say this one's a draw. All right. I, I think this one, I'm going to be optimistic. I, if this was in New York City, in, in Yankee Stadium, for, I think that I would have to go with either a loss or a draw. But I'm going to be optimistic here and go with a win on that that one. So followed by that is Colorado. This one's tough for me, too. Um, we closed the season out with, with Colorado last season. We needed a win, and we got beat so could something similar happen this season draw wow draw wow i'm being very this pessimistic is, i am yeah i'm sorry i said Dallas fans uh <laughs> but i mean i want to give some rationale behind it new coach robin frazier he's revitalized some life they should be at red bull 2-0 uh they have good pieces uh on that team not good but great and i think they can pull something you know pretty funny uh you know on the at home I'm going to go with a win just because I'm going to play optimist here. I think that. Wow. You have them winning three of the last five games at this point. Wow. I mean, yeah, yeah, I do. I don't, and I don't, that's see, you're surprised at how bad you have them. And I'm surprised how, how good you have them. <laughs> so maybe, maybe we're going to end up somewhere in between. So let's go ahead and look at SKC as the final on decision day. What do you have? Win, lose or draw? I have them winning that one. I don't think SKC is that good. Okay, I, Mister Optimus been, over here has him as a draw. What I'm is have him as a draw? Yep. So I, I don't know. We'll flip it. We'll call it decision day uh, debacle, maybe. So let's do some quick maths here. You have them at roughly one point four, one point four four, somewhere in there points per game, and I have them uh, about a tenth higher 
at 1.55 ish. So do you think if the, if, if, it, if they end up at 1.44 points per game, do you think they make the playoffs? No. No. They'll miss it. Uh, On decision day? Yeah. I think they'd miss it to a team like potentially a San Jose or uh, something like that. Look, it, it's all going to depend on like that result. I think the Colorado game, I think it's a huge one. Because the two games against Colorado and Chicago, right? Because you can lose against NYCFC. You can lose against Seattle, right? We both are losing against Seattle. But that Chicago and Colorado, those are two away games that are going to be massive. Absolutely massive. Because Chicago isn't that bad. And Colorado isn't that bad anymore because they have a new coach. And they're playing for their spots. They're interesting, right? They're st- no, I'm t- I still stand by the most interesting team in MLS. But, you know, <laughs> I don't care. Y'all can hate. I'm just saying. When they win MLS Cup next year. Just saying. Um, but I'm actually very surprised the way I rank this. I think we're both like surprised for complete opposite reasons. Yeah, this is kind of a, a interesting little interesting little exercise here. You know, right now, sixth play sorry, fifth place RSL has a points per game average of one point five four. And so I guess they might be able to make it at one point four four, yeah? Mm, I don't know. I think it would be tough. I think, I think it, you're probably right that like they dip a, underneath the line. Maybe a seven eight. If that's the case. Yeah. Yeah. I think if they if in my scenario where they beat Chicago, beat NYCFC, beat Colorado, I think they, they find themselves in the playoffs. So what what's uh, the magic number do you think in terms of points? Fifty one. I think fifty fifty one. So yeah. we're saying they need to get seven points out of the last five games. That's doable. Yeah, that's only two wins and a draw. Yeah. Interesting stuff heading into the end of the season. We will find out more in the weeks to come. We'll, we'll know more before FC Dallas plays again. Shoot. Since the other teams don't have bye weeks like we do. Or like they do. This will be interesting. So, yes. So, Armand, good stuff. Thanks for joining me again. Anytime, Dustin. Always a pleasure. Uh, always, you know what's funny? I've just kind of realized I've always been like driving back from like places to like do podcasts with you. <laughs> like I yeah, drove straight from that. Austin to uh, do the end of the season review at the Growler. That was a good one. Yeah, the, the, my voice. I couldn't understand a word you said, but you know, my voice. Oh, you were there. That was and bad. You had some spirit. That was that was brutal looking back, but yeah, it's great. Always fun to talk to FC Dallas, and I guess we'll find out more in two weeks. Yep. I appreciate you hustling back from Norman, putting that that American football behind you just to join us here. All right. Thank you for listening. You can find us at DallasSoccerShow.com on the internet at, or on Twitter as at DallasSoccerShow, and you can find Armand on Twitter as at Armand Kafai. Thank you for listening. Take it easy.